This is part two of my conversation with the one and only Vincent Trewell, host of The Weird Part with Vincent Trewell. Excellent podcast. Look it up. Go check it out after you listen to this. When we left off, we were talking about Hollow Earth. We were talking about white squirrels in Olney, Illinois. We were also talking about a mysterious cave in southern Illinois where some people believe there are artifacts from ancient civilizations. When we come back to the conversation right now, we're going to continue talking about Hollow Earth. Then we're going to talk a lot about spirituality, which is one of those things you wouldn't think would, uh, you know, come up with the other. But it always does. Sit tight. Check out Happy New Year. This is Paranormal Patio. You're listening to the Paranormal Patio Podcast. Pull up a chair. But speaking of the military, do you have any interest in or anything you'd like to say about what are called dumbs, deep underground military bases? Well, a lot of that goes back to the glorified con man Richard Doty and the disinformation campaign, you know, back from really from the 40s onward. I think we're still feeling the effects of everything that's happened and probably still being subjected to it. But there's this cover-up story to protect military assets, and it goes too far. And now you've got a guy who is filming and taking photos of military bases, claiming to see UFOs, but really he's photographing, you know, top secret new weapons of mass destruction and they don't want him to come out and say that's what he's filming so they're like yeah that's a ufo you should you should look into that and he does and comes to these series of uh you know different theories that he has and totally consumes his life and eventually leads to the topic of an underground alien base or an underground human and alien venture where we have extraterrestrials and and the military working together in these places. I think that really blossomed into a lot of these stories. A lot of them are the same. I mean, you look at uh, what's his name? Oh my goodness, it escapes me. Uh, are you talking about Paul what? Paul Benowitz, the guy that yeah, Benowitz was uh, the original. Dirty. Yeah, the the Benowitz papers, the Benowitz affair that led to the uh, Dulce Doty's misinformation. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, Doty's misinformation definitely, you know, the phrase drove crazy sounds extreme, but no, he Absolutely. did that with Paul Benowitz and produced enough fake evidence to just lead him on this story that, you know, there was this deep underground base mm-hmm. at Dulce mm-hmm. and there's shootouts between humans and aliens. It's just crazy sci-fi crap. But it's the same though. Somebody, it's the same as other people. Oh, yes. And that's never, that storyline has never died out. And what's really embarrassing about ufology these days is Dodie's still on the circuit. He still, like, goes to conferences and gets paid to talk about stuff mm-hmm. when he's pretty much been exposed and exposed and exposed, but people still pay to hear it. Yeah. So, yes. Dodie, 
I had this conversation with uh, a past guest this season about the importance of the trickster element in getting to the root of what's you know really going on all around us and how maybe you have to be in that particular mind state to experience these things and maybe that trickster element needs to exist in order to elevate your I don't know whatever you want to call it your energetic level or your mental state that controls your uh your bio state you know that controls the chemicals that are being released from your brain to make you receptive to aliens and ghosts and bigfoot and pan and ufo's and all of these things which i think are all the same thing i think the trickster element is necessary at times i think there has to be this sort of tulpa or egregore creation based on something and the trickster element is perfect for that because you can you can say yeah you're absolutely looking at ufos and now all of a sudden you're looking at ufos i've talked to alan greenfield about this and about how ray barker said he was going to incite a ufo sighting over this canal outside of their hotel one night and he calls the police and says hey i see these lights flying over the canal and the next day on the news there's reports from dozens of people that saw these lights over the canal you know like there's something to it i think there is so there is value in richard doty i just don't like him as a person <laughs> Oh, I concur. But, um, but no, that's, that's a really fascinating take on it because I think that you're right that so often there's an element of fakery and the trickster element that, you know, runs against, I think so many of us, including definitely myself, want this cut and dried, want it nailed down. Mm -hmm. I want to know what this thing is. I want Bigfoot in the zoo and I want Loch Ness monster, you know, in the water and, I want to see, I want ghosts to be explained, and that's never going to happen. None of that no. stuff is going to happen. No. But there is like this gray area where fakery, and it's just like outright fakery, like Gray Barker stuff, becomes somehow, becomes a reality, becomes at least for a temporary time something that people do see. Yes. And Keel talked a lot about that and how he would mention some idea and then see that very thing. He wrote something about seeing gill men, people that had gills like fish, and then in the real world encountered a gill man. Hmm. And what he was talking about at the time was like fictional, but it became real at least for a little while. Yeah. And that kind of makes me think that we really fundamentally don't understand the nature of the reality we live in. Absolutely not. And I, I yeah. want to just share something that's relative to to my perception of all of this is that whenever I started really looking into, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, you want to call it magic or you want to call it the, the paranormal, you know, under a large umbrella, the first thing that drew me in was astral projection. And when I got into learning about astral projection, I quickly found the work of Jane Roberts and Seth. And Jane Roberts channeled this entity from New York, this Seth entity who claimed to have never had a physical body. He was a non-biological intelligence that existed in some way that he couldn't explain. And Seth talked about the nature of personal reality and that we all create our reality both independently and as a whole. And I've just seen it so many times in my life that I can't write it off. And I think, essentially, 
that is what magic boils down to. I mean, you have an intent. You do something to put yourself in a state where you have the ability to construct that intent and manifest it into the world. That's the basic concept of magic. And it's what Jane Roberts and Seth were talking about decades ago, but in a different light, a different way. And I think, you know, that trickster element is doing that because if you instill the possibility of that being real in one person, if they have that ability inertly, inherently to forcefully create this reality like Kiel did, like a lot of other people have done, then because of that trickster element planting the seed, you have now made this egregoric entity. You have now changed reality to a reality that includes the thing. And I think really that's what all of this is, man. I think that's what UFOs are. I think that's what aliens are. I think that's what ghosts are. Everyone can do it, but not everyone does it subconsciously. But you can put yourself into that state, whether it be through LSD and the government or... <laughs> Or going to places of power, places that change your vibrational state uh, mentally, you know, through meditation, through rituals that displace your subconscious, like crazy magic rituals where you put on a robe and you're naked and you have a staff with a serpent on it and you're lighting candles and pouring the wax over a naked guy in the middle of a circle that has a star on the floor. Like you're doing something to trick your subconscious to unleash that power. And you you do it, and it happens. And I think that all these magical rituals and these magical orders are just sort of a, a different w approach to to doing that, to thought creates reality. And that's really, to me, where I have taken magic and just applied it through that method, through thought creates reality. And I feel like you don't need all of that, but if you do, it's there. If you feel like you do... You have it at your fingertips. It's kind of a way of inducing belief. The ritual itself, the words and the objects aren't the aren't the thing. They're just aids to get you the place where you can and I'll put it in different a little bit different terms and tell me if this is kinda of what you're talking about. It it allows you to have faith and it allows you to believe. And belief somehow translates into changing reality into the thing you believe it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm not a religious guy. You know, I don't even claim to be a Christian, but I know enough of the Bible to know that a lot of the things that are in there about, well, your faith has healed you. You recovered because you believed it was possible to recover. Things Christ said that, you know, allegedly, I'm not, you know, but I'm not preaching here, but um, that... When the woman touches his robe and is healed, and he tells her, your faith has healed you. Not, I've healed you, because I'm God walking around, and I got special powers. But your faith has healed you. You believed that it was possible. If you could touch me, you would be healed. And so you touched me, and you were healed. That, it doesn't seem extremely different. It seems completely the same thing, just in a very different context. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Sound, yeah, sound about right. You know, and to double back, I mean, Jane Roberts... um, and Seth, actually, there was an entire book about healing. Uh, I think it's called like The Way Toward Health or, or something along those lines back in the, gosh, I want to say like in the mid to late 90s that came out. And Jane Roberts actually had a lot of physical ailments 
that she was never able to overcome, all while being used as a channel for the Seth entity. And Seth is saying, this is how you heal yourself, you know, with, uh, you know, using your terminology, with your faith, with your power of belief, this is what you can do. But this came like at the end of a long list of other things that were seemed to be way more important, you know. Uh, so, it is interesting, the parallels between teachers and and handed down knowledge throughout the years and how, you know, a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible came from other mythologies before that time. And, oh, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm really interested in advanced forgotten civilizations and how, oh, yes. you know, humanity being much older than what we think we are and some cataclysm nearly wiping us out. But yeah, who knows the ancient history of the ancients? You know what I mean? And, and what oh, people yes. have known, you know, for eons, you know, like, how much do we not know that we have to keep rediscovering over and over and over again? Just Well, that's, I just say, it's interesting to me that Seth, as a non-physical entity, didn't see the physical as probably that important. Right. So, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you can just heal yourself by doing this. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like an afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't a priority to him, though, because he never had a body or didn't have a body, you know. Exactly. But, yes, um, I am also very interested in the Atlantis Lemuria type. And I don't mean, like, necessarily literally in any of the interpretations, but there was some... We didn't start out a few thousand years ago. Yeah. We've been here a long time. And other things have been here longer than us. So, yes, I think so much is lost. And right now, if we had an all-out nuclear war, what would be there in a thousand years that you could describe our civilization of? Not a lot. Practically nothing, you know. I mean, <laughs> you'd find an object now and again, which would be misinterpreted completely. Which is what we In the wrong context. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you that's know? exactly it, you know. And that makes you really wonder, doesn't it? Like, how many times have we been here? <laughs> how many times have we done this yes. cycle over and over yes, again? indeed. And it, well, it goes back to what we started talking about, right? With these civilizations that are underground or civilizations of the underworld and what we knew about life and death and how that has cycled back through the system in different ways. And, you know, maybe that maybe at one time there was some civilization underground that did these things and their actions have echoed out through time. And we're picking up on reverberations of this. And, you know, we're just drawing closer and closer to the singularity. You know what I mean? And maybe <laughs> yes, that knowledge I, is still hey, physically trapped down there. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking out of very, like, crudely physical practical level if a ancient civilization high-tech advanced civilization we have underground bunkers deep underground bunkers continuation of government programs where if we were to have an all-out nuclear war everybody wouldn't die um there'd be the continuation of the u.s government in salt mines and in deep underground bunkers that you know that are completely acknowledged to exist and have stockpiles well, other civilizations would do that too. So when the cataclysm comes, it wouldn't get everybody. The survivors would be trying to communicate what they know of their civilization to people who've never experienced it. And I think that, I think that happened. I think that's happened more than once. Yeah. And it makes you think like the importance of the people that were being protected 
from said cataclysms. Like right now, it's going, you know, it's going to be these massive world governments that do terrible things that seemingly have no moral standard that are going to be the ones to carry us on. And you would assume that as time went on, that it would lead to some sort of revolution or or possibly not, maybe to some sort of domination of some sort, you know, for all eternity. But what were the people that survived like at their time in past civilizations, pre-cataclysm? Who were the people that were in the bunkers? Who were the people that carried on? You know what I mean? Right now, it's not oh, going absolutely. to be, it's not going to be the poets and the artists and the spiritualists. It's going to be, you know, agent so and so from the U.S. government or the president or Congress. And would they Unfortunately, have, yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be politicians, soldiers, spies. That's yeah. That. And the, the tech people that can keep things working. Mm-hmm. Plus almost nothing. <laughs> and yeah. Yes. From their mindset, like, what are they going to spy on? Who are they going to govern if they just let the people that they claim to represent all die in a massive disaster? Like, I don't understand that mentality. No, no. It, in the big picture, doesn't make any sense. But that is a certain aspect of human nature. Yeah. Maybe what they call the reptile brain, you know? The tribalism. Yes, yes. And I'm just riffing here, but I'm thinking, do you ever see the classic episode, The Twilight Zone, where there's been a nuclear war and there's an old man in a cave that advises the survivors on what to do, what to drink and eat, and not what to avoid? I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. it's it, I, And I rec- cannot recall the title, but it ends up that he's a computer. He's been set aside to survive the apocalypse. Mm. And yes, I, our plans often end up being very of their time and yeah. not universal at all. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's it, well, it, it's it's a good one. Yes. And so um, many of them were though. <laughs> yes, oh, they have a man. I I'm often tempted to stay staying up too late just to watch that in the classic black and white. Yeah, it's coming up again though. Like uh, the Sci-Fi Channel does the marathon every year. Like, is it around oh, Christmas yes. or New Year's? One of the two. Yes, it's. Uh, I think it's a full 24 hours of on New Year's Day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think so. So yes, uh, we've man, we've covered a lot of uh, ground. I wanted to ask you about one thing I have written down before I forget. What? Would you like to say about the Smoky God? Oh man, that's interesting. Yeah, that came up in that interview as well. Yeah, I I don't know what to think about the Smoky God story. Right, it's it draws a lot of parallels to other stories of the Hollow Earth, right? And um, I don't know. It's interesting that someone from the place they were from, with the belief system that they had, would find. The Christian Eden and the rivers named as the rivers from the Bible and all that stuff. It's really interesting. And I feel like religion is used in many ways as a tool and a disguise that you could make up this extraordinary tale that points you into believing that that religion is real. Right. And I, yes. I like you. I'm, I'm not a Christian and I'm not a religious person. And I, to be honest, I find it all just, it's a hard pill to swallow that I'm not going to. <laughs> There's a whole lot that I, I'm not going to get into here, but yeah. I, yeah. 
meaning. I think you know where I'm. Yeah, you know exactly where I'm coming from. There's a really good quote about you know no greater evils have been done than those done in the name of religion. Oh yes. So Um, apply that to to the smoky god as. You know, here's a guy that isn't a Christian, and he's taken somewhere, and now he's talking about Eden and the rivers from the Bible, and how it's basically, you know, heaven on earth. And I don't like that aspect, but if that's what happened, and that's a true story, you know, I've always said, I'm not a Christian, but if Jesus shows up in my driveway, I'll convert. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, well, and just to be clear, so everybody knows what we're talking about, The Smoky God was written by a Scandinavian man who believed in the traditional Scandinavian religion um, with Odin and Thor and, yeah. you know, that type of thing. This is back in, correct me if I'm wrong, late 1700s, early 1800s? I don't recall, honestly. Okay. I read it, I, I read it a while right back. around there. Yeah, Yeah. definitely around that time frame. What rings in my mind, and I don't have the details in front of me, that I believe it was John Adams, the second president of the United States, wanted to use government money to send an expedition to look for the entrance to the hollow earth that that fellow was talking about. And it was, it didn't make it through Congress, but he really wanted to do that and took it completely seriously. You know, take it for what it's worth, but the people at the time did seem to think that that was a viable thing that might happen. It's interesting to see that come up over and over again in different time periods. I mean, the uh, the Nazis also sent people and significant research to Antarctica, you know, and then there's Admiral Byrd. And this is a good example of misinformation. There's the secret diary of Admiral Byrd that he never wrote, but is played off and has made it part of the canon so to speak, of of Hollow Earth stuff. And no one talks about how it's, you know, probably not true, one, and definitely not written by Richard Byrd, except for, recently, Matthew Byrd, who until recently believed he was related to Admiral Byrd. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of revelations there in that sentence. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Because literally, <laughs> the next thing on my notes was Admiral Byrd, fact and fiction. And yes, a lot of people believe that Admiral Byrd who was a very famous in his time. And his time was like from World War One through World War Two and into the late fifties. Pilot and explorer. And he was heavy, he, he was given the Medal of Honor for flying over the North Pole. And, you know, a hugely respected figure. Mm-hmm. But no, he did not write a secret diary where he finds a hollow earth that yeah. has like tropical lands and, you know, cavemen and animals and stuff. No, that's all fiction. There's like five. I just looking up doing research for the show, found like five different versions. And they're all, they're all fiction and they have slightly different names. The secret diary of Admiral Byrd, the revealed secret diary of Admiral Byrd, the true secret diary of Admiral Byrd. It's, it's, it's it's all it's all fiction, you know. It, yeah. No, he never said that happened. He's been called into question about whether he ever actually went over the North Pole. But that's like the most controversial thing that anybody seriously questions him on, because all those books are just fiction, you know, written to make some money and tell an interesting story. But yes, I'm glad you brought that up because otherwise I was going to bring it up. <laughs> it's, yes, it's interesting to look at it though because it goes back to that trickster element for some reason. Someone wanted this to manifest. Someone wanted these entrances to exist. And by putting the story out there, by getting other people to believe it, it's possible that they have manifested 
these areas where there are quote unquote entrances and whether that becomes a physical entrance, maybe it becomes some sort of portal that we can't explain through modern science, going back to the non-physical aspect of these things. It's interesting that it has come up so many times in so many different generations of people that it's important enough to make people believe that it's real. And I think that's what we need to look at. I completely agree. I'm always impressed. Sometimes it seems to me that there are ideas that want to be heard or that something wants to be heard. I know when Alexander Graham Bell patented the telephone, there were three or four other guys who also invented the telephone, like within a year. It was like a race to the patent office. Well, okay. I mean, that idea had hung out there for thousands of years. We hadn't had telephones. Now all of a sudden, five people invent it in a year. Yeah. It's like that was due to appear. When you have the same story coming out from different sources, it's like something wants to come into our world and wants to be real and wants you to make it real. And I think that happens. Yeah, it ties in a lot with uh, what Nathan Isaac and Darian West and Kyle Cadell have been talking a lot about with uh, Penny Royal in their Patreon uh, live streams, that there are these instances in time where this is going to happen and there are multiple ways that it could happen, but it's going to happen by one of them. This needs to happen right now. And the one that they've uh, focused on a lot lately are important assassinations. And, you know, it's fascinating that uh, Archduke Ferdinand's assassin flubs up the murder. And then the the convoy of people with Archduke Ferdinand traveling back home, their convoy breaks down and he goes to this bar and he sits down right next to the guy who just tried to kill him. You know, like, it's going to happen. You know, if something gets in the way, there's another way that's coming. And yeah, those instances, and they're they're implying that it might be possible to uh, look at the uh, entropic scale and, and randomness, these points of low entropy where these things take place, like 9-11 is one where they measured randomness at being, you know, at a at an extraordinarily low level. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe this uh, hollow earth thing is just going to happen one way or another. Maybe not at this time, but there maybe there are several times that it has to happen or that it's going to happen because there's a lot of different people from different backgrounds that talk about this stuff. There's Almost like the pseudoscientific background, there's the, uh, well, there's the random things like uh, John Uri Lloyd and Ed Adorpa. There's Jules Verne, you know, that they all have these different characteristics and these different backgrounds and a different take on the exact same story. And it's going to happen. It's going to get out there. I totally agree. There are things that want to be recognized one way or another. And I definitely think that maybe the hollow earth is one of them. That makes a lot of sense to me. And yes, I happen to catch the, um, well, I happen to, I, I listen to it every Monday. Um, the liminal lodge from Penny Royal. And yes, the idea, I completely get what they're saying. And I, I agree with it that certain events you can't stop from happening. Yeah. You can't save Kennedy. JFK is going to die, whether Lee Harvey Oswald does it, whether the mafia does it, whether the Cubans do it, you know, on and on and on. Um, it's one of those, it's like somehow fated. And there's yeah. several of those, you know, there's um, many of those events. And the, fir- the um, Archduke Franz Ferdinand thing is incredible. Yeah. Yes, because <laughs> these series of coincidences that have to happen, you know, are it's ludicrous to say that that just happened like that. It, if it hadn't happened this way, it would have happened that way or that way or that way. 
Yeah. And it's, why did that have to happen? I don't know, but, um, <laughs> it did, ha- it did have to happen. Yeah. And, you know, um, while you were, I just wanted to mention one thing as far as bringing things into reality. One of the Whitley Strieber books that I have not read, I have read, you know, sections of it, but I haven't read it. And so therefore I can't name which one it is. Um, he talks about by bringing them into the culture, by talking about them and selling millions of books and discussing them the way he does. He's making them real, the visitors. And that really struck home with me that there are things that want to be made real and they come to different people and get them to tell my story. I'll give you a good story. Tell it. Make people listen to me, make people believe in me, and then I'll become real. And that sounds crazy, but that seems to happen over and over. Yeah, it really does. And it's just bizarre, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Then you question, you question the motives, like why? Why does this thing have to happen? And that's what's really interesting to me about the Hollow Earth coming up over and over and over again. Like, why is this so important? Why is this such a necessary thing? Why does, why are there so many people that are going to tell this? What is it about it? It's, I don't know. I'd like to know. It seems seems like there's something down there that wants wants us to pay attention. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And if if it's not part of our if it's not part of our physical reality yet, it seems to be hanging out there, kind of like Schrodinger's cat, like in quantum physics. You know, if you believe in me, then I'll that'll tip the scale and I'll become real. Yeah. And I, I know that that sounds, uh, you and I understand and the people yeah, sure. of us understand, but I, I wouldn't like talk to a lot of people about that because that sounds completely nuts. Yeah. You would um, write a thesis on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very careful where I submitted it. <laughs> Absolutely. But yes. But I do believe that that happens because I just see so many examples over time. You know, you know, I could take this in a lot of directions, but I'll just, and, Man, I didn't mean to keep bringing up the Bible here because I'm not, not the kind of <laughs> podcast I do. But bear with me for a moment. The Israelites, the ancient Hebrew people, at around you know one A.D., um, were looking for a Messiah, and everybody was looking for one, and then one appeared. And, you know, and that was, you know, Jesus of Nazareth was certainly not the only one claiming that title yeah. before or since. And, I mean, there are many. There are. There, just Google up a laundry list of claimants to Google claimants to be the Messiah, and you'll find hundreds of people. But it seems like the collective belief and the collective desire for this individual to appear almost created somebody. Yep. And that is not a unique one-time only thing that happened. I think it's happened over and over. And or different causes that we would see as very good or very bad or somewhere in between. But that seems like when everybody's looking for something, that thing appears. Yeah, absolutely. My take. No, I totally agree with you. And it goes back to thought creating reality and building blocks of magic. And that's, yeah, I see it every day. Like I, like I said before, I've seen it, you know, countless times. And think about things that we write off as coincidence. You've had a song stuck in your head for three days. 
You get in your car, you turn on the radio, and the song is playing. And you think, wow, that's a coincidence. No, you fool. You've, <laughs> you've been trying to subconsciously manifest this song for three days, and now it's happened. You know, that isn't because you did some sort of ritual to make that happen. It's not because you were actively looking for it. In the world that we live in today, you could pull your phone out of your pocket and listen to that song immediately as soon as it pops into your head, but you don't for some reason. And it happens. And it should be like a signpost for people that, hey, look what you have the power to do. But instead, we dismiss it and say, that's silly. That's just coincidence. Isn't that weird, you'd say, when really it's magic telling you, hey, I'm real. And you can do this all the time. And that's like, why are we that way? Why are we in a society now where we have dismissed this very real thing that everyone encounters and still says is horseshit? You know what I mean? Oh, yes. And I realize maybe you meant that as a rhetorical question, but I I have an answer for that. (laughs) I did, but I'm glad you do. Honestly, if, and I, I'll just put it out there and it, it is what it is. But if we all knew our actual abilities, our actual lack of limitations, our ability to change reality based on our will, it would be awfully hard to keep a hierarchy going. It'd be awfully hard to enforce the inequality that we live in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody knew I'm not just, you know, 250 pounds of meat, you know, I am an eternal being that can affect reality by my will. That'd be a very different world. And people who, when you, it seems to me that when you get to the the really powerful, the 1% of the 1%, they all know this stuff. That's my impression. Yeah. And They'd prefer that just they know it <laughs> and the rest of us they pay no attention. And to me, that's why I just can't stand materialist reductionism, which says, no, you just are 250 pounds of meat. That's it. Yeah. You were born on this date, you'll die sometime, and then you will not exist game over. And there's nothing more of you. I don't believe that at all. And I don't believe they, while they claim the mantle of science, they don't know any of that stuff and they can't prove any of that stuff. But I feel that movement is almost kept going because it keeps the powerful in power. And there's a pretty smooth transition from the church ruling society and saying, okay, you live a good life, you do what we tell you, you'll go to heaven, but you'll be a peon for the rest of your life here. Okay. And science saying, oh, you don't even have that to look forward to. You're, you're just a physical entity. And once you're done, you're done. And neither of those are empowering. Okay. And everything that is empowering, whether it be through miraculous religious experience, whether it be through magic, whether it be through folk magic, like voodoo, all of that is totally demonized because those in power don't want those not in power to be able to alter reality or to know who they are. Yeah. They don't want them to know who they are, us to know who we are. That's just my take on it. No, you're right. I'll try to expand on it a little bit. The two systems at play are not compatible right now because my kids are, and I'm sure other children are this way, and I'm sure everyone is like this at one point, thinks, wouldn't it be great if everything was free and you could just get whatever you wanted? Yeah, that would be great, except if it's free, no one's making any money, no one's being paid to make it, no one's going to make it, right? So, You can't have everything in the system that we're in. But I will get a little topical and I'll bring up Elon Musk (laughs) 
because I caught some clip from some interview with him dozens of times I've come across this where he talks about the emergence of AI and the emergence of robotics becoming much more commonplace, doing these remedial tasks and establishing a universal basic income and things like that. And I think in a system that's more geared on that side where you don't need people to can vegetables on a large scale to be sold in a store and those people now don't have to work and they can still live, then you're getting closer to a place where these two realities can coexist. And I think that's not that's not the end point. There has to be another jump past that. And I don't think we'll ever see that. And maybe that point is when everything falls apart and the center ceases to hold and there's a major cataclysm and we start over again. You know, like the these two opposing forces, not necessarily good and evil, but in a lot of ways, good and evil, where <laughs> you have to have people in charge and you have to have hierarchy, but there it also exists a force within everyone that is being ruled over to completely change their own reality. And really, what is reality? You look at it like everything that is real to you only exists in your mind right now, and you can't verify the contents of your reality to anyone else. Who's to say what I call red is what you call red and that we're seeing the same thing when we say that item is red. We cannot prove that we are. And this is something else that Seth talks about is this sort of camouflage that exists in this system that is in place to allow us to exchange ideas regardless of how we interpret the data that we can all understand what each other is talking about. And I can say, this hat is red, and you can say, well, that hat is red, but we might be seeing red as a totally different thing from one another. So, unleashing that into the materialistic, sadistic existence that we live in right now, it's just not compatible. Like you said, it's not going to work. But I don't know that we'll ever achieve that state where we can make these two things compatible. And until we do, until we get there, you're right. This this is not going to be taken at face value. It's going to be dismissed. It's going to be demonized. It's going to be the laughing stock. But we have the potential in our fingertips to to change our own realities. And maybe everyone needs to focus on their own personal reality instead of changing everyone else's reality with them. I think that's a, a very good point. Um, as far as perception, we collectively saw that with, I don't know if you remember from a few years ago, the blue or gold dress. Exactly, yeah. And people are looking at this. I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying, well, it's clearly this. But other people, no, it's that. And I, nobody was, you know, nobody was defective. We were seeing different <laughs> things and interpreting it in two different ways. Yeah. Um, as what you were saying, um, it makes me think of a book that I now can't give the exact title, but it was basically called Luxury Deluxe Communism. And it was saying that if we have a, the technology we have now and the wealth we have now, really everybody could be in the 1%. But that's very unlikely to happen. But it is a utopia that we could make happen if we all wanted to. However, yeah. I think it's a hell of a lot more realistic to have it happen for you as an individual one at a time rather than a society go that way because i just don't see that happening yeah i agree but i think that if we spend our entire lives wondering 
why life sucks so much that we're missing the point because I do believe in a spiritual sense that the earth is like a school. I mean, I believe in reincarnation. I believe in life between lives. And I don't think this is our entire existence right now that we're living in. I think we are here for our own individual reasons, whether that be to experience a particular thing or to figure out how to conquer a certain emotion or just be there for somebody else's existence that we are completely unaware of the impact of. There are several things that we are doing right now for a reason. And we all chose to be here right now in this life as much as it sucks. So, I think it's important that everyone take a step back from Fox News and CNN and the stock market (laughs) and Twitter and figure out something that you can take away as a positive. And really, I don't know, find some reason to keep going just to fulfill whatever obligations that you forgot you made. You know, like you're here for a reason, whether that be what you think is some religious reason or otherwise, you know, it's it's important. We're here now for whatever ridiculous reason we're here in this awful time right now, as much as we could sit here and say, wouldn't it be great if it was like this and everybody did magic and blah, 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 and so and so and no one had to work. We're here now for whatever reason. And we just we should accept that as well when we're talking about the injustices of the world that makes a lot of sense we have not discussed reincarnation before i don't think but i also am very much a believer in that i the most intense some of the most intense experiences i've had in my life have been recollections of a past life and i do think that we come back again and again and again and you know i don't have a whole system for it but uh (laughs) and i don't really like any of the ones that I'm aware of, but other than Jack London, the uh, Star Rover, where his hero comes, it's like a book from the very early 1900s, where his character just comes back over and over to have adventures on Earth because he likes it. (laughs) But no, I totally believe that, that we do repeat lives over and over, and that there very almost certainly is a a choice in the matter. And that you are where you are to some extent because you need to be there. That makes a lot of sense to me. One of the things that got me into that way of thinking and got me into examining possibilities of this stuff was uh, I read a book early on in my journey, I like to say, uh, by Michael Newton. He's a clinical hypnotist, hypnotherapist. He wrote this book when he accidentally stumbled upon somebody's past life memories. And it began his whole career change into focusing just on researching that. The book was called Journey of Souls. And I think he wrote three, maybe four books on this. Uh, He passed away not too long ago. But one of the things that was brought up was, what about babies that are either born, stillborn, or that are aborted or that die gestationally? What reason would someone choose that to be their life, where they would put their soul in that position. And I I paused and I couldn't think of a reason why. And it's because of the mindset that we all have is like, well, how is that going to be beneficial to me if I were to be put in that position? And it's explained that maybe the mother, maybe the father needed to be in a life where they lost a child. And that's what they needed. And you agreed to fulfill that role for them. And that's why we're here. We're not just here for us. We're here for other people, too. So, I try to live my life that way a little bit. Wow, that's heavy. I, you saying that made me think of 
a very old episode of Coast to Coast when Art Bell was still doing it. And he addressed, well, his guest addressed that very question. He'd written a book on past life memories of children. And one of them was a woman who's, okay, she had an abortion. And then a couple of years later had a child. And the child spoke early, precociously, which you get some very interesting memories coming out then because they fade away as the kid gets older. Sure. But the child said, this isn't my first time here. The first time you took me out and put me in a jar. But I'm back now. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and that's what I said. I was like, whoa, okay. It, but yes, so I, you know, I don't pretend to explain stuff, but that made that made a lot of sense to me. That, you know, we're eternal beings, and while we all probably have an innate fear of death, really, it's just a a road sign, and we continue whatever happens to us, and that's... That is how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael Newton, um, in his work, boils down and focuses on the things that happen between lives and comes to the conclusion through all of these different uh, subjects that we have what they refer to as soul groups, groups of our souls that sort of go through this whole process together. And maybe in one life, we all come in and you and I are husband and wife and my son is my dad and my younger son is my uncle or my my aunt even because gender is nothing to a soul to eternity gender is nothing um and we accomplish our individual goals we're there to support each other in these goals and maybe the next life one of us needs to be an enemy with the other and we become this in this heated rivalry right this huge emotional impact for whatever reason that we need to learn this thing we need to experience this thing and we come back and we understand we were playing a role we were basically in a thought experiment in a way and that's what i found really fascinating about michael newton's work and that became a really big building block in my spirituality was being able to look through a different lens at existence and at reality and when i coupled that with the teachings from seth then I unlocked the magical aspect of these are the things that you can also do while you're here, by the way. <laughs> you know? Wow. So that's really like talking about religion and thing. Like those those two like collections of work is what I refer to as my religion because it formed those blocks, those building blocks for me, for my reality. Like this is what I'm going with. I'm just running with it, you know, because none of us really know right now. You yes, know what I mean? So that's really interesting. Uh, just let me throw in that. A personal experience um, that fits exactly with what you've just said. Um, my daughter spoke very early, like when she was one year old. And she once looked right at my wife, her mother, and said, you're my mother now, but I was your mother last time. Aha! There you go, man. <laughs> and that and the timeline worked out because of the death of my mother-in-law that it made sense when she said it. <laughs> and that was... That was... A moment. We had a moment there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like, you come across things like that every so often. And one of the things that I've always looked at was like people that were really important to me at different periods of my life that I now have zero contact with. It's like, I wonder, like, are you from my, my group back home? Like, was this <laughs> what you were here for this time? You know, and now you also have these uh, other things that you have to do with other people, um, you know, that 
I don't, this makes me feel insignificant though in some ways like <laughs> I was only important once but I'm still here you know uh, but <laughs> that's the beauty of it missions. yeah absolutely that's, you know that's it that's we get so hung up on like you know our jobs and climbing to the top of the ranks or you know being the best at flute or you know whatever it is that you're into you know and you don't think about all of it so it's really hard to do that but i think when you can you can find those meaningful things like those random pop-ups like that like with your what your daughter had said like you know that's awesome and it's just like another one of those things another signpost now uh, you know for me that that's probably what's going on. And just to clarify, I came here prepared to talk about the hollow earth. This was not a setup. Like, <laughs> No, that, that, I, I agree. This totally has been spontaneous. I All my notes are about caves. And stuff. Um, <laughs> I didn't even get to the dog that was found 500 feet underground in the cave. That happened. But we'll, we'll, we'll do that we'll, next time. Yes, exactly. This flowed in a different direction. But it flowed in the, in the way it should go. You know? uh, dude, it always does, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> yes, indeed. That's, yes, indeed. It's uh, just the way it is, you know? The, these conversations are often had between people with the capacity to have them. And when they happen, you just take advantage of it and you roll with it because I know I don't get these opportunities very often. That is very true. And when you, you get that kind of, I don't know, when you're on the same vibration, for lack of a better term, yeah, it just, it goes where it's supposed to go. And sometimes that's very different than what you had mapped out, but that's okay. That's okay. In fact, it's really great, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed this this time here. Oh, absolutely, man. This has been a blast. We've been going oh, for yeah. a long time, but it doesn't we're, feel we're like it. We're pushing two hours, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a multi-parter. This is my first ever part A, part B. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm thinking we should probably wrap things up. Sure. Um, just as I'm running out of time. Um, and I think my Zoom capability only lasts for so long. Sure. Um, but yeah, um, it's been great talking to you, Jason. And Absolutely. You too. Certainly, this is not the last time at all. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> no way, man. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to do this. Uh, well, hey, thanks for being a guest. And it's my pleasure to be your guest. All of our archived episodes are available for free right now at patreon.com slash beyond the patio or on our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. Give us a like if you don't mind. And if you have anything weird happen to you and you want to share the tale, hit me up at paranormalpatio at gmail.com. <laughs>